0: Hey there, and welcome to another edition of Pastor and His People. This is uh, Daniel Huddleston, and I'm here with Pastor John Whittaker. Hello, John. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Swell. Excellent. How are you guys? I can't. Oh, we well, can't. They, they don't have any yeah, responses. So they don't have a way to respond. <laughs> but, uh, but we're here today, and we're going to be going over the sermon that you preached yesterday, and that was Titus 2, verses 3 through 5. Uh, just before we get in, were there any... Uh, over, were there any big thoughts or any any main ideas? I know that you that stuck out to you as as you tried to explain this passage to us yesterday. Are there any big ideas? Yeah, no. I'm I'm, I'm kidding. Well, it was okay. That was, <laughs> that was more of a joke. Uh, what I I was just gonna. Do, do you normally pray before we get into this, or we don't? Usually, we usually pray at the end. But okay, we, we can pray if you want. Well, that's all right, you know. Guys, uh, he's
1: new. Give him a break. All right, come, in, cut the aside.
0: It's the first time. I'm getting, I'm getting some sea legs, uh, so to speak, <laughs> uh, under this. But we'll, we'll save our prayer to the end, and we'll just walk by faith as we begin this. You um, don't, you don't want to pray too much. That could be. That's right. right. <laughs> we, we want to pace and ration ourselves. No, but seriously, I. I had made some notes, just went back and listened to your sermon, and uh, I loved how you started out with your self-confession that you can be a bit
1: much. Can you elaborate on that? I'm kidding. No, I'm, I'm being serious. Now. Those conversations did happen of, what? You didn't like with either? Like, when we first met him, and then just people kind of, as they get going, yeah, I wanted to fight him. And I was like, oh, okay, that's nice.
0: It, it tends to form bonds, yeah. uh, you know, with, with certain persons. But I even mean, in your wedding, I
1: guess I was surprised. So one of them is Ben Oliver, who, who okay. I was a best man in his wedding, and for the first three to four years <clears throat> that we knew each other, he could not stand me. Mm-hmm. It was just very interesting
0: Excellent. And like you said yesterday, the Lord has worked a work of grace to where that is no longer the case. Yes, but that was actually just a joke uh, <laughs> getting started. No, seriously, you started with the simple statement that what we believe should be shown in how we live our lives. I loved how you tied that in with the first impressions, kind of like the introduction mm-hmm. uh, idea. Uh, with, with the idea of what first impressions am I giving others? Does it point to Jesus? Mm-hmm. How critical is that? I mean, like like you mentioned yesterday... Just coming, like having with the idea of good works mm-hmm. in, in our in our doctrine. How important is it that we never know who we're going to run into? Mm-hmm. We never know what conversations we're going to uh, to yeah. maybe engage in. And so, how critical that is, just at the very beginning of our conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, the, the end of the section, uh, in verse five, is that the word of God may not be reviled, and that's kind of behind everything. It's mm-hmm. like. Don't do this or do this, don't do this, live like this. So, that the gospel, and we'll go through that next week, but verse 10, it may be adorned. You know, it's kind of the, at chapter verse 10, it's uh, adorned the doctrine of God, which is kind of the opposite of verse 5, that mm-hmm. it wouldn't be reviled. And so, it's just kind of like, once again, I don't want to spoil anything because they all do tie it together. It's the same paragraph, but like, how, for older women, younger women, it's basically like, how you do your job, how you conduct in your home, how you treat your husband, your children, you know, how your purity, your self-control is all like this impression that you're giving. And I think primarily he's talking to non-believers. Hmm. So the word of God in your reviled. I think the audience is at the home, all these things would be a first impression or just an impression of what, who is God, what is he like. And that's where I think that impre- that's where I guess my introduction kind of came from is Man, lost people could be saved by just simply, what's your home, when you invite them in your home, what does it look like? It could be breaking down walls and barriers and making them open and receptive to Jesus. Yeah, Obviously through the power of the Holy Spirit.
0: Excellent. And, I, and just that idea that it is the content of what we say, mm-hmm. but it, how important and critical, and that's what we're yeah. looking at right here in this passage, the behavior that we operate and function off of mm-hmm. on a daily basis is, when it comes to even being able to share the gospel. Well, let's let's go ahead and read our text, and then we'll just kind of jump through, uh, going through. Why don't you just read, and you did this
1: yesterday, just read verses 1 to 5 okay. as our backdrop okay. and as we get into it. It says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They were to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled.
0: Hmm. So the first point that you have, and I really appreciated this, was their context and ours. Right. And I really appreciated how you distinguished the culture that Titus was written,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: that the book of Titus was written in, yeah. and the two differences that you drew out were, uh, that we just need to be mindful and aware of, were how women were perceived and how they worked their jobs right. and how intimate communities were then compared to now, to now. And I, I wrote down one, one thing you said. You said we must challenge ourselves
1: to not assume our culture into the text. Yeah, and I think the two things I had in mind, I mean, I talked to you a little bit before I even preached, just to, the two, and I mentioned this in that point, was the two things I really had in mind with, maybe pushing our context, things we're going with, was one, how close people were then, Mm -hmm. right? They didn't, they couldn't just go home and retreat. It seemed like their lives were pretty much open to just every day. You know, they didn't go to an office and sit there away from people. They worked alongside people. They saw people all day. Their lives were kind of pretty much an open book. So it kind of makes sense to this word of God named me reviled because people are witnessing their lives all the time. Mm -hmm. But in our culture, it's, it's easier to then hide. So maybe an, a barrier that we have to kind of get across of maybe our lives should be more open to people than they are, which is it's just a challenge because of our culture is more individualistic. While they're in that, in that innocent guilt kind of context, while theirs is more of a shame-honor context in that first century. The other one would be, uh, women uh, and just their role in society, especially work, that working at home, that's the thing that popped in my mind because I think in the last couple hundred years, uh, women have mainly been looked at as like homemakers. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at uh, Proverbs 31, right, the text we read, um, it, it says that um, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Uh, and then it says... Where is it? Um, maybe it's before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she puts her hands to the, the staff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor, reaches out. Uh, I mean, there's kind of all throughout that text. It's different work that she's doing, and uh, that, you know, she considers a profit that can be made, things like that. There's, I mean, I don't say most of it, but a lot of Proverbs 31 describing this woman is how she does business, how she works, how she can... Yep. make money, you know, it's just kind exactly. of, uh, it's very interesting, um, so I thought of that, and then just, but that's even Old Testament, kind of, you know, where I think in first century Rome, women worked, they couldn't afford to just stay home and care for the home, they had to work, they had to make money, and they didn't have weekends, they didn't have this time off, you know, it was just, it was just a different time period. Yeah, and
0: I just really appreciated how, at the very onset, you encouraged us to do what we should always do, right. and that's to see... Scripture for who it was written to, mm-hmm. and for the particular uh, cultural context that yeah. it's in. Why is it always important that we approach it that way, and not just open our Bibles yeah. and do no legwork? Well, or in other words, like that question. And is this something that takes effort?
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, I think that's good because what, what you're asking is more of a broader, general. But this mm-hmm. allows us an opportunity for us to see why it's so important. It's because I mean, we had that kind of talk. A month or so ago, right? Uh, women in the life of the church. Why? Because there's this cultural influence going on uh, within the church and outside the church of feminism and like, what are women like? Sh- should women be pastors? You know, what does submission mean? Things like that. And it can, our culture is kind of pushing against what the church has, you know, historically taught and believed. And so with that, you kind of have two sides reading into the text. One is. Maybe one influenced by the culture of uh, you can't say people can't do something. But then you have the other side saying, who's also reading into the situation, Okay, I gotta be defensive, right? I gotta think about this. When I see uh, submission or working at the home, I'm, they're not thinking Titus and Paul. They're thinking about the people in their own time and day, which is important with contextualization. Yeah. But kind of like you're saying, that should always be our mindset. When we read the text, we should. Er- always ask first what did the original author mean for the original audience and then take that meaning and then contextualize it to what we're going through first it's it's just good uh, what we call hermeneutics right studying the scripture and uh, another big word exegesis eisegesis. exegesis you want the word to speak into your life not first do your life into the text because then you'll find things and people always make this this funny examples of um, you know David Goliath Right, we're David, right? Yeah. We're not, we're not David, but we read, we read ourselves into it, right? So, yeah. But Jesus is right, the, the greater David. Or, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. That means, you know, I can dunk the basketball. Well, I can't dunk the basketball, but you know, for the people who can't dunk the basketball, <laughs> you mean like me, who's sitting across the table from you, who can't dunk it. Yeah, I remember in high school there was the, it was a math class
0: and there was the poster of a guy making contact with a baseball, and it says, "I can do all things through Him who strengthens me," and I guess. When I went on the field, I never, I never believed that as much as the other guy who maybe believed because he usually uh, triumphed over me. But yeah, absolutely. Really? And I think, I think it takes effort. I think it's something that we're opening an ancient document. Mm-hmm. We're we're opening an, up an ancient book, and especially once we get into the Old Testament, mm-hmm. books that are from thousands of years ago. And right. so the hardest thing, and it it takes effort, is to as much as possible travel back to back then, mm-hmm. not not pull it up here. It is for us. Yeah but remembering that I have to do the legwork of like what you did for us yesterday. I just thought was a perfect example and to be able to draw that point mm-hmm. of cultural context and what's going on. Uh, your second point was just how, and this is when it got into the uh, the second point, but then you had a few from here, right. where older women should be reverent in behavior. And I really appreciated the what you described the word reverent meant as far as conduct yourself
1: like a priest. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I may note of that, right? I, I don't I don't know Greek. <laughs> Someone else told me about this in a commentary. I read that and it's just that word is the same as like a priest priestly Yeah.
0: So, but how critical that is for, for the Christian because and you said this, wherever you are serving,
1: you are serving the Lord. Right. And so conducting yourself right. like a priest. And so, which I mean, we were looking for some background there. Adam and Eve, right? Mm-hmm. They're kind of the examples of a priest, the Garden of Eden was this the dwelling place between God and man, and therefore they were to take care of it, have dominion. And then you see that later with the temple, right? The priest cared for the temple. Why? That was the dwelling place between God and man. And now us, right? I mean, our body is the temple, but then also the everything's the Lord's. And so we're continually trying to cultivate, you know, and work as for the Lord and not for ourselves. It's just... So, so it's interesting. Uh, yeah, no, I like, keep because, going, because, but I like it because like
0: it because it's connected with that idea of like holiness and how yeah. we should walk circumspectly. Do you think there's in like connecting it with that uh, that priestly idea? Do you think there's any other way that it affects our lives other than just the holiness
1: factor of how we relate to God, how we relate to people? Yeah, I mean, I mean, in the, thinking it, of like what it means to be a priest, right? I mean, in the in the du- direct context here, it is holiness; it's behavior, right? It's this. Um do not be a slander do not be slaves to much wine that's kind of his direct application but I mean priest also made sacrifices and that's where you see that in like Romans twelve or first Peter um I mean, Romans twelve is you know make your lives you're, you're, you're no longer taking animals yeah Christ is our lamb he's died but now we're priests are making sacrifices and what are we laying down on the altar it's ourselves mm-hmm. uh, Peter is the same way in Peter. It's one of my favorite texts. He's like, we're the stones being built into a temple. Yes. And what is, you know, I'm like, not only are we the temple, we are also the priest. And not only are we the priest, we're also the sacrifice itself yep. to a, a, something, a fragrant offering unto the Lord, just using all that Old Testament imagery. It's just, it's very cool to think about when you go back and read the Old Testament, you're like, oh, snap, it's talking about Jesus. Yep. and Now it's also applying to us as his body yeah and I just think of like the the going on behalf of a group of people, yeah.
0: like even and you'll, you'll talk about this at the end of your sermon, but mm-hmm. like when you're sharing the gospel with the mm-hmm. lost, or even like here in the context of the home, when you're loving your husbands and wives mm-hmm. or excuse me, when you're loving your husbands and loving your children, there's that part of like your holiness, which is your connection with God, mm-hmm. affects your your relationships with other yeah, people good. Um, and just the two parts that you talked about with the with the reverend behavior, not being a slanderer and not being slaves to much wine. I really, I appreciated how you just simply said, our words have power. And I was just, I just asked myself the question, are we being good stewards of our words? What do you think, when you think of words and the power of words, how can one be a good steward of how we manage our words?
1: Yeah, the text that was coming to mind was, um, was Ephesians 4? Uh... Uh, 429 let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that may give grace to those who hear right He kind mm-hmm. he's kind of playing on this not just don't do bad do good and that's where it was going through my mind this idea of like slandering and and then the slaves of much wine I just I was actually Pastor Victor brought that to my attention because yeah. in my mind I had one person in mind a slander who is also a slave to much wine but he kind of Brought to attention, like maybe the slanders and much wine are two different people and sure. that they're the slanders are slandering the people who are slaves to much wine, and both are bad and yep. both are calling disunity within the body. I just thought that was interesting.
0: No, that's good, because one could even be prone to um, think, well, you know, I'm not drinking wine, so I'm fine, but mm-hmm. then how am I using my word how am I using my words? And even with that idea, like what the opposite of that would be would be encouragement. Mm-hmm. I'm curious for you, like have you, as you've ministered And just in your time of ministry, have you ever been surprised with how something that you thought was seemingly small, just a small word of encouragement you threw out there and and you never thought about it again, how someone came back to you later? You don't have to give a specific example, but just how... A small word of encouragement can mean a, a lot to someone. I give you control. a lot of
1: examples of all my good deeds. You know? okay. I, have, I have a list I, I see keep. you just unrolled the scroll. <laughs> it's like you had this prepared. <laughs> You've been waiting for this. October 4th. 19th. It goes back a long way. Uh, Does that make sense, though? Like,
0: yeah. I think oftentimes, and this kind of goes into your point with ha- feeling like we need to be completely equipped or have all mm-hmm. the answers That no, like, even sometimes the opposite of slandering, just saying a small word to someone yeah. can make a huge difference.
1: I'll say just maybe me, Also, it's easy to remember not me actually saying things, but me being on the other end of mm-hmm. people saying encouraging things that, like, got me through stuff. That's, you, that's fine. You know, like, people have said, like, easy, easy, just kind of, like, nonchalant, encouragement yep. and like man it really picked me up because you really don't know what other people are are going through you know we, we don't know what struggles or yep. encouragement that they need and it's like man like that really got me and I think I remember um I remember high school you know I just got saved and I was on not on the receiving end but um one of the guys who wanted to fight me, or one of the guys who didn't (laughs) like me, I had gotten saved the past Mm. year, and just watching me live my life, things I didn't realize people were watching, led to his conversion, Hmm. because he saw a change, and he was like, oh, maybe I'm not saved, and that was just kind of, you should never know, you know. and so it's something as small as words, James does a really good job of that, of taking these small things, and just, it's it's got like a little spark, you know, it can, Calls a huge fire. It's like the rudder of the ship. The smallest part, but it directs the whole, the cruise line. It can go one way or the other. Just, I thought it was really interesting. And even in the even in the order of that text,
0: he mentions that first. He says not slanderers or slaves to much wine. So right. the tongue, the word aspect, he brings up first. Uh, the last point, or one thing that you had said before moving on to your third point was, an example that's one of my personal favorites, and I think it's the one Matt Chandler shared it together for the
1: gospel. It, it a was. So here's just a thing for me. I usually do don't tell, drop names when I give like quotes or anything like that, because mm-hmm. some people may not like the person. No. or or like you know, hundred percent. Yeah, and we can uh, add it back when I decide. So. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. No, I, I I have no problem with Matt Chandler. I think he's and it was uh, the, together for the gospel talk yeah. that we we were there for, weren't we? We were. And we that's witnessed what, it with our own eyes. With our own <laughs> eyes, we saw it. We saw it
0: given. No, see, that's one of my favorite analogies mm-hmm. when it comes to sin and. Just how, like you said, sin is greedy, and it's it's lethal, and how we think we can keep it under control. Yeah. No matter what the sin is.
1: Yeah. Like, it's, it wants to kill you, and it wants to make you its slave. It's the, it's the second, and that's kind of the illustration of, I mean, reference a lot of 1 Peter today, but, right, that, that <laughs> Satan, he's, he's, he's a lion, right? He's, he's roaming around. Lions don't, like, stand up and, like, wave their paws, like, I'm going to kill you, right? It's yep. like, they sneak up, like, they're... Trying to get as close as they can to you so they can pounce. Yeah, it's just how sin is. It, it wants to kill you. It's not trying to like, haha, you messed up. It's no, it, it wants you. Yep. and that's. I don't. Know, sometimes we don't realize what we're dealing with. Like that wrangler, you know, he's just. Like we, we he talks like it's a butterfly or this kind of innocent little creature. And it's like no, it's an apex predator wanting to devour you. It is, and it, it,
0: it tricks you after you after a while, letting you. Mm-hmm. Put it back in this cage, all right. right? You know, and yeah. deceiving you. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. it could, oh, put me away. Yeah, say, hey, yeah, yeah, you got Because the ultimate trick is making you think you can control me, right? So that at the at the at the uh, least opportune time, right. it'll overtake you, and that which you probably and that's what, that which you have been able to keep in secret mm-hmm. can overtake you and and destroy ma- many parts of your and,
1: life. and that's like John Owen's quote, right? Be yep. killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Yep. And it's like there's no, it's it. One dies or the other. That's you, it. You, you pick.
0: It's a, it's a constant struggle one yeah. way or another. Well, let's keep moving. Uh, the next point, just with um, your third point was how... Teaching and training.
1: Teaching and training. It's, it's I was one, looking it's, too far down. No, out. it's just one run-on sentence. Yep. <laughs> no, 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 no. Older women... <laughs> I had written rem- it down but I wasn't able to, uh, to look up. Teaching and training. Uh,
0: and, and once again, the main point I wanted to emphasize here is just how I appreciated that you said older women do not need to be experts to teach and train. They are simply to be pursuing these qualities. And mm-hmm. the way you said that I thought was important, don't you think that's a great general principle for all believers? I mean, yeah, for within sure. this context, yes, yeah. but realizing that it's something that you don't, none of us are perfect, none of us right. have attained or reached, but it's something that we should be pursuing so that we can be showing
1: when someone comes alongside us that we're right. pursuing them also. I, I, mean, I mean, part of it wants me to caveat that, right, and be mm-hmm. like, you obviously need some, right, you need to be somewhat in your faith a little, maybe a little bit ahead of someone else to kind of really be investing in them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think there's kind of two people. One who are like, they can't see the good in themselves. They they're, they have a very uh, weak conscience and like, I, who am I? I can't do it. And that's where it's like, well, you're probably farther along than you think. Yeah. But there's also the other side who may be like, oh, yeah, I can teach people. And it's like, oh, well, you might want to get, you know, some of these sins under control before you try to help someone else along with that same sin or things like that. But I think especially what I, what I understand from the you know, people I talked to this week, it's very common, especially in, in, in these older women or women who are wanting to teach other women, they think poorly of themselves. Like mm-hmm. I'm not them or they compare themselves. And it's like, I really just want to be like, you're probably better than you think you are. You can, in a lot of things, like you said, not an expert. It's, you yeah. know, because I think also I think the intimidation is opening up the word with someone and kind of breaking that down. Like the example here is just like invite them in your home and you know let them watch and because hopefully someone would say you're a godly woman you're a godly person. They can model that and just catch things that maybe you know you don't even see yourself or intend others to see. Yeah, like Dave always tells me more is caught than taught it's just yeah it's just it's always true yeah I, and I that's perfect true. for this and i think even with as you transitioned into
0: the biblical definition of submission mm-hmm. i think especially because preconceived ideas especially when uh, biblical submission is taught right. can abound right. so i think especially having younger women go into the homes mm-hmm. of older women who are mature and can see what that looks like modeled yeah i think is a wonderful thing
1: i've heard a couple examples and uh one was actually uh, your wife, mm. and it was someone telling me, like, they were single. They actually don't even know if they'll, they'll ever get married, right? That's not kind of like, I need to get married. Yeah. They're like, man, I've, if I ever do, I've seen the example given to me in Jen and mm. just, like, how she lives her life. But it's not just, you know, how to be a wife that I'm learning. I'm learning about how to be a Christian. And, yeah. you know, we, we don't want to distinguish those two because a lot of part of being a wife or a husband is you be kind, be patient, you know, love one another, bear with one another. These are just qualities in general that yeah. we should be practicing. Not just it has to be in marriage with someone else. And I think
0: the distinct, the distinction like we talked about between like the teaching, the verbal instruction that's mm-hmm. giving given, and then the training, it is absolutely necessary that that both of those are seen. And I was
1: telling someone this this past week, uh, and I just made the point that I don't think we understand that like sitting across from someone and going through scripture is fairly new within Christendom. Really? Because for the major for 1800 years, people were illiterate and there was no printing press. So like Mm -hmm. to actually have the Bible and to be able to read was not a common thing among Christianity, especially as most Christians were poor. Yeah. You know, that was a very rare thing to have a wealthy, powerful Christian for, you know, I mean, mean, Christian was outlawed. You know, Christian was outlawed for the first four or five hundred years. hmm so um, I think it's good. I mean, we want to take for granted this gift that we have to read the scriptures yes. of someone. But I don't know if that was what Paul necessarily had in mind because I think, for, like I said, for the majority of Christianity, someone heard a sermon, heard the scriptures on Sunday, and as they worked in their field or at their shop, they were just thinking and meditating on that throughout the week, and that's how they wrote it on their hearts. And So I think even now in discipleship and things like that. That's we still want to not once again not take for granted the scriptures, mm-hmm. but at the same time, maybe not put an overemphasis on I have to read it with someone else and go through verse by verse, verse. Sorry, I'm rambling here. No, you're fine. But there are different forms of discipleship as well. Hmm. What are you trying to teach them? Here in Titus it's I want he wants the older woman to teach each other these godly characteristics. How to be a wife or to how to be a how to be pure and self-controlled, right? These are the qualities that he's trying to cultivate. But if you're trying to teach someone how to read the scriptures or how to teach a lesson or things like that, if you're discipling in that way, well, then, yeah, you're probably going to have to open the Bible and maybe get away a little bit and work that through. But it just really depends on what is your aim, which I really encourage people when they disciple people, have a goal in mind. What Mm -hmm. do you want to see in a certain time span in the other person that you're trying to grow? So Yeah. There's a lot on discipleship. I like discipleship. There is a lot. And <laughs> as, as we breeze through, uh,
0: somewhat concluding, you made a couple really good points that, well, I'm sorry we don't have time for it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, we are uh, running out of time. <laughs> but I'll, 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 I did love how you addressed the the wife in relation to the husband that ultimately, and this kind of goes back to the panel that we had recently, uh, mm-hmm. the women's panel, but how trusting and following and submitting to your husband is ultimately trusting and following and submitting to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And how even if depending on the particular context that you're in, that might be difficult. Yeah, but I, but but I thought that was an excellent point. Um, you talked about the,
1: uh, I lo- I and Jen and I both. You talked know that's about not this. my point. That's the scripture, right? I didn't come up with that. <laughs> I was going to give you credit, man. I appreciate what, it. What, uh, Let me copyright that for John Whitaker. <laughs> copyright date. Um,
0: no, but. You, you you took a moment for this and kind of stepped to the side and just spoke to singles mm-hmm. and married people. And I really, really appreciated how we, and Jen and I talked about this later, how you, I don't know if I've ever heard this. I will give, give credit to you on this, about how Paul was a single man writing yeah. this and how Paul saw the value of marriage mm-hmm. and how single people should lean into to married people, but also
1: how married people should lean into single people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I, that actually might have been me. That I, I didn't read that anywhere. That Paul. I seen, know that's man, what I'm saying. I was like, wait a second. Did <laughs> I actually, my, I think that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Um. Because I think Paul sees the plan of God and what he's got, how he's taking the local church and making disciples of all nations. But the church is a people, not a building or a church service. Yes. The church is a, a people gathered, and so as we are the church in our homes and at our jobs, he sees that, you know, this is to how we, the Lord wants to make disciples, is by yep. our godly character in life. And so Paul sees, oh, the Lord is showing the gospel through the marriage, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he says in Ephesians, this mystery, right? This unveiled mystery yep. that the marriage is meant to point to Jesus and the mm-hmm. church and therefore it is an evangelistic opportunity how we model our marriages. So Paul's like, yeah, marriage. As a single man, he's like, yeah, marriage. Why? Because it could save a lost person. It's it's just profound. God could use that to open up someone's eyes to Jesus dying on the cross and being raised again for us.
0: But I just love the conversation that it opens because I think oftentimes, even if it's not verbalized, Mm -hmm. the church can give the implication to single people that Mm -hmm. they're somehow deficient. Yes. And that's not accurate. That's not true. In in the sense of like, has God ordained marriage? To reflect the gospel, yes, Mm -hmm. but also we know this from Paul and even the Lord Jesus that someone can live in the kingdom and reflect the goodness of His person and not be deficient. You know what I'm saying? And it's amazing, right?
1: Because Jesus single, Paul single, and we're like, yeah, you gotta get married. (laughs) But in
0: going back to culture, I mean, like I think that's something even in our American culture and sometimes Mm -hmm. in our evangelical circle that even, like I said, even if we don't verbalize it, Mm -hmm. we imply it. Yeah. by
1: behavior and how we relate to others. I think I heard someone say, uh, you see a single person in their 20s, they're like, oh, okay, they they're living yeah. in their life. But they start in their 30s, 40s, like, oh, something's what's wrong, you know? And it's like, my goodness, that's so unbiblical yeah. to even think like that. Yeah. Uh, what's wrong? Is something, we need to set them up, or something like that. It's like, maybe that's the Lord's calling on their life. And we even say it like, um, they're called to be single. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, it's the same as you're being called to be married. There is yes. no... You know, it's not like this special chosen, it's just like, no, like, the Lord's plan for you is either to be married or to be single, and He, he knows best, and to, Amen. You, he don't, you don't want to go against the Lord.
0: <laughs> Amen. And just moving quickly into into the fourth point that you had, and this was, so that the lost may be saved. And I really, I enjoyed this because you, when you read the, the verse, it says that the Word of God may not be reviled, but mm-hmm. what, and you had once again alluded to Peter, right? but and maybe even a reference in Isaiah, but what took your mind from, so that the word may not be reviled to
1: applying that directly to the gospel? Right, because I think I feel like who's going to be reviling the word? It's non-believers. And yet the the things that Paul is emphasizing for Titus to teach these, you know, to encourage these older women to teach the younger women are a lot of things in a home or inner qualities within Mm -hmm. themselves. I mean, you have slaves much wine and slandering which we be outward verbally but self-control purity i mean sometimes people don't see those things well i guess maybe in our context they don't but i think in this context once again their lives are open to the people around them their jobs they're just the community everyone knows what's going on yeah and so the idea is that non-believers are witnessing these things that maybe in our context and culture would be more private and people wouldn't witness um so i think we say that may not be reviled. His main audience for that is non believers. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, non believers would not revile God's word, which hopefully that would mean they were being won over by the word. Yeah. Um, kind of the idea that no shame right. would be brought onto the gospel or the yeah. scriptures. And he'll keep going that as well later yep. as Titus to be an example of why, so that you know, the opponents the of the gospel mm-hmm. couldn't have anything evil, evil to say about us. Even the people who are against us couldn't actually say anything negative without people being like, well, that's not true. Everyone knows that Christians are godly, self-controlled people. They're they're the best people in our community. You know, that's hopefully what, I think, what he's saying here. So that, and if they could say that, maybe they'd be like, well, why would I, maybe I should follow Jesus. You know, it kind of seems to be this evangelistic, evangelistic, what? That word. That sounds, uh, right. <laughs> that sounds about right. You know what I'm saying. You know, so I think he's trying to use this as an opportunity to witness to people. I think I think you're correct. Which I think is tough because in the South and Christianity, we often live in Christian bubbles, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of hard because there's this emphasis you see in like First John and the Gospels of they will know your mind how you love one another. You know, love your brothers and sisters, and then we can take that and then like. Anytime we invite someone for dinner, it's only a Christian. It's only someone from our church. Only our time. This consider how to stir one up to loving your works. Okay, think about Christians. Think about Christians. And therefore, it becomes we're not exercising this faith in Jesus with talking to someone who's not a Christian, having yep. a dinner in their home. is just uncomfortable well, sometimes. Well, you're heart. right, because even the idea of
0: the way that the Lord said that let them see your good works, like mm-hmm. you said, and, and let them see your love. Yeah. Well, where's that going to be happening? I mean, unless you invite them in, unless it's performed mm-hmm. in front in front of the world. And yeah. even with this idea of discipleship, um, you ended with a number of uh, good, basic applications. And I loved how you basically just made the appeal to let others see your real life. Like, mm-hmm. let them come over and see you panic. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure everyone was open to. Um, yeah,
1: I, I, which I was telling someone, the, the, the main emphasis here is for women, right? Yeah. And obviously, it applies to everyone. But it's just hard as a husband, a male, to just tell them, it's fine, let them see <laughs> <laughs> let them see the house messy. Like, why are you panicking? You know, what's, I mean it's, it's the big fine. Deal? <laughs> <laughs> Because
0: I think one of the final questions I was just gonna ask is I mean yeah yeah like you said it's easy to it's mm-hmm. easy to say that but how can we and maybe especially the ladies in our congregation overcome that emotional angst that might be like you know,
1: I don't want I don't I can't let my guard down or I don't right. want anybody to see how life potentially really is. Yeah, maybe, I think two things come to mind. The first thing is, like, this is nothing new within Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. I think what Paul is emphasizing for older women here is what the Lord is teaching Israel. Mm-hmm. Like he gave the commands to Israel to live in a certain way that would attract the nations to God. We're just continuing that on in the New Covenant. How our homes, how our church is to live should be open to the outside world. They may see God, Right, so, this is, you know, we are just falling in line of thousands of generations of doing this, of letting people see our weakness, see our vulnerability, so they can come and see God who is merciful and kind and a bruised reed he will not break, mm. a smoldering awake he will not quench. Uh, he is lowly and gentle in heart. That's what we want people to see is this good God, strong and kind. Other part would be uh, that's the message of the gospel, right? The gospel yeah. tells us we are sinners. And we need help why would we want to cover that up we want to people to see our what is Bonhoeffer a very misused quote or misunderstood quote is uh, sin boldly you know ask bold ask forgiveness boldly yeah. right there's this idea that feels like sin boldly whoa chill out he <laughs> means like don't be don't cover up your like our social media ages right only show the good only show what you know your celebrations, your joy. Yeah. But you know, we fall into that as a culture because then we only want people to see our home clean. We only want to see us on our best and uh, all dolled up, ready to go. But the gospel says, no, you're weak, you're sinners, you need help. Jesus has come to help you. So we can be able to give an example to people of like, I don't have it all together, yeah. but I have joy how? How can I have joy in the midst of, as you see me running around my home, uh, you know, panicking, trying yeah. to clean? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, My life is, my identity, my worth is not in this. It's in Christ. Yeah, and in, in, as in many instances,
0: oftentimes, I mean, we can be encouraged by many um, people and, and what they say to us, but when I see someone that I respect, and love and realize that they are struggling, mm-hmm. but that they're fighting mm-hmm. and, expect, and that they're they're trying to honor the Lord in mm-hmm. the context that they're in. It gives us hope. It, yeah. it reminds us that we need the gospel and we need grace every right. single day. Well, you just kind of did it, but as, as we look at these few verses, any final thoughts, uh, even in summation, um, hopes that people
1: definitely took away from the sermon? Yeah. Um, the quote I feel like I quote, the text I feel like I quote most is, What your fathers and see." your father who sees in secret will reward you. Right, this is the idea I think of a lot of things that when we read these examples, self-control, purity, working in our home, often can be done in secret and things that people may not notice. Moms a lot of times people won't notice some of the stuff. Your patience, your endurance, um, you know, husbands, things that you how you lay down your life that no one will see. Yeah. But your father who sees in secret will reward you. A lost person who you may not even know is witnessing is witnessing. and There is eternal significance, even to the smallest things that we do. So I mm. think that's always a good reminder for me. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I think that's great. Well, would you go ahead and now, <laughs> would you go ahead and say a word of prayer and close this? Help me, Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who came and lived the life we could not, died the death we deserved, and was raised to offer us life and reconciliation with you. And I thank you, Lord, that not only is he as Christ saved us from our sins, but He has given us purpose and meaning that everything we do uh, has eternal significance uh, to bring uh, you, God, glory and honor uh, forever and ever. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.